Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. So we're going to get into our sermon today. We have a, a second week. I think we're in the second week. Where are we? We're in the second week of the talents. And so what we're doing for five weeks is we're, we're looking at, Jesus tells the story about the parable of the talents. And it's a story that's typically uh, just kind of referred to as a money sermon. And it's like, look, the master gave some money to these guys. They made more money. So give us more money. I'm not going to ask you to give your money to the church today. Okay. Um, what we're going to do is, is each week of these five weeks, we're going to spin the prism of this parable and look at it from a slightly different angle and see the different and most beautiful ways that I think God, um, through Jesus in this story, that, that we're being challenged in how we use our lives and uh, what we're going to do with the lives that we've been given. So last week, uh, we talked about this story being about trust. And this week, we're going to pivot into uh, time. But I want us to rethink our relationship with a certain word today. There's a word that in our culture uh, we use a, a certain way, and I don't think we use it probably uh, f- to its fullness. And so uh, this word is in inheritance. Can you just, just say, say inheritance? Okay. When you say inheritance, you know what you think of? I know what you think of. Cash money, right? Let's go. You think of uh, money or stocks or houses, or, or you think of, that's inheritance. It's like it's this just free wealth that flows down from great uncle Ned or whoever it was. And you're like, this is a great inheritance. And I wanted to uh, challenge our conception of inheritance because I believe this is a parable about inheritance. Inheritance isn't just in in death or in uh, what you get in somebody's will. Think about it this way. I inherited a pastorship. I'm not the first pastor of Covenant Church. I won't be the last pastor. I think I'm seventh in line if we do the math right. And I always say, I'm the interim pastor here. I'm in year eight, and maybe I get to go 38. I'd be thrilled. But there's still going to be someone behind me. I'm I'm inhabiting what I inherited, but it isn't permanently mine. Some of you uh, inherit laundry from your children. (laughs) Some of you inherit a list of chores around the house. Some of you inherit skills or traits from a parent. Others inherit a business or a problem or a responsibility. You inherit things. These things are entrusted to us. When my family, uh, I do the dishes in my house, when my family brings dirty dishes to the kitchen, I inherit a sink full of dirty dishes. I am then entrusted in the silliest of illustrations you can ever imagine to get those dishes some way or another, no one even has to know, to get them clean so the next time we need to use them, they're back there for good use. I'm entrusted. So what's required for success with an inheritance? There's two things I would say that are required. First, you actually have to receive the inheritance. Like you have to accept it. You can reject it. Nah, bro, you keep that, right? You can say no. Um, But if you receive it, that's step one to any inheritance. Um, When I started here, I could have said, I think we're going to stay where we are. Instead, I said, I would love to move to a frozen swamp. And here we go. Step one is you have to receive the inheritance being offered. 
The second thing you have to do is then you have to steward the inheritance. So step one is receive. Step two is steward, which just means to take good care of something. It just means to say, who's next? Who's going to get this next? And so what am I doing with it while I have it? There's a wealth consultancy. I don't even know what that means, but there's a group of people who make money by studying people who have money. A wealth consultancy named the Williams Group. And over 20 years, they studied 3,200 families of considerable wealth and the inheritances that were passed down. Um, What they found was seven out of 10 families who passed on whatever they termed a significant inheritance, seven out of those 10 families had totally lost the whole bit of wealth in the second generation. So my father gives me a million dollars, I use, abuse, whatever, and give it to my children, and they don't even have it anymore. That's, that's the level of seven out of 10 have lost it by the second generation. Dad, if you want to give me a million dollars, I'm here for it. I just want to say that to the camera in case he's listening. <laughs> nine out of 10, nine out of 10 of these 3,200 families had lost the entire inheritance by the third generation. So this is what has, to, so stewarding the inheritance matters. You have to receive it, but then you have to steward it for it to actually have power. To receive it without stewarding it is called, ready for a big theological term? Blowing it. That's what that's called. It's blowing it. But what about when you do receive and steward an inheritance well? When you care for it, you grow it, you improve it, and the point that it'll be better for the next generation, what is that? That's called ownership. And, and so we misapply. When we think ownership, we think permanence. We, those two concepts are tied in our brain, and it doesn't need to be that way. We think permanence when we think ownership, and it's not true. We misapply that. Ownership is temporary of all things. I'm a dad. I'm a girl dad. Hashtag girl dad. I have two girls, and someone will inherit them. I've been entrusted with them. I don't own them. It's a temporary season, and one day they will walk down an aisle, and I will no longer have them. I've been entrusted. I have to receive the gift. I have to steward the gift, show ownership of the gift, but not not the possessive ownership, ownership. This is the heart of the parable Jesus tells, so I'm going to tell it in full again. We'll read it. I'll put it on the screen with you in Matthew 25, and let's read it together. Jesus said, for it will be For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he, he who had received the five talents came forward and bringing five talents more, he said, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward and he said, Master, you delivered to me two talents. So here I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, 
who had received the one talent came forward and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents for everyone. To everyone who has, will be, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, so when we think of a Jesus parable about inheritance, we think of the prodigal son, the, the son who takes his inheritance early and squanders it. I actually think this is a parable of inheritance. It offered a sum of money to manage, to, they were entrusted. All three of these servants received it, right? They all did part one, they received it. They all accepted it, and that's where the results begin to diverge. Two of them practiced really good stewardship and grew the inheritance. One buried it. And that degraded. To the master's uh, surprise, why would you even bury it? it? It didn't even keep up with inflation, he's saying. In 1959, do you know how much Coke cost? Coca-Cola in 1959 was a nickel. Coke kept their prices at a nickel for a long time because they wanted it to be easy to get out of a vending machine with a nickel. They actually petitioned the U.S. government to get a seven and a half cent coin so they could raise the prices. And it almost worked. Today... For a nickel out of the same vending machine, you can get almost a whole ounce of Coca-Cola. Why? Because inflation. When he buried the money, who knows how long the master was gone? He buries the money, the master comes back, and because of inflation, he's actually lost money. He goes, what are you even doing? At least get me interest. And we have to think of it that way too. We have to see that. It's not that he didn't do anything with it. It's worse. He kind of like allowed the asset to degrade over time. This is ownership versus non-ownership. We have people, a lot of people, 68% of uh, units, of housing units in Bowling Green, I don't know, 68%, this is a fact for you, are rental units. This is a high percentage. We're a college town. It's pretty obvious. So, so what happens in a rental unit different than what happens in an owned and occupied unit? You might paint or decorate. You hang something on the wall. But you're not going to invest heavy dollars into something someone else owns. If there's like a major foundation issue in your apartment or your rental house, you're not calling the foundation company to come out and fix it. You're calling the landlord to say, you need to fix it, or you're getting a new apartment or house. The wicked and slothful servant in this scenario, he received the talent, but he lacked ownership of it. He just treated it as a thing he needed to hold on to until he didn't have to hold on to it anymore. He didn't steward it. We established this week, this was a story about what you're doing with your life, that Jesus was talking about the end times and in the middle of these end times stories and hey, the end is near and the end is coming and there will be a day when you meet your master. In all of those things, he drops this story on them, this parable on them. The master is going to return to see what you made of the talents entrusted to you. And so we have to start asking the question, what has been entrusted to me? Each and every one of us has to ask the question, the Bible is asking us, You start by reading the Bible, eventually the Bible reads you back. The Bible is reading you back, and it's asking you what talent has been entrusted to you. What's your inheritance? 
what's been handed down for temporary stewardship to make better. I'd like to offer that time is that thing. Time is what each and every one of us has inherited, and it takes a different flavor and shape for each of us, and so yours is going to look different in your skills and your resources and your stage of life and all those things. It's different, but we all have the same amount of hours in a day. And I would say, so your life, your existence on earth, your breath is your first and foremost inheritance. But it's better than that because you have supercharged time. You have better and more powerful time than you actually think. Jesus, after his death and resurrection, was with his followers. Acts 1.8, he ushers in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And Acts 2, the, the Holy Spirit descends upon the followers of Jesus, and they, they have the presence of the living God. They have the, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead now lives in them and works through them. To the point that Jesus says, greater things will you do than I ever did. We assent to that. We like to um, affirm that. We'll read that, but do we live that? I think that the Holy Spirit life that you have available to you is supercharged, spirit-infused time. And to look at the days and the hours as these evil things that just tick away, we're misusing the inheritance we've been given. We're heirs of the kingdom of heaven, according to Scripture, and we've inherited the Holy Spirit. And so if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, the same power that resurrected Jesus lives in you. So go back to last week. What did we say the talent represents? A talent, how much money is that? We do the math. It's about 20 years wages. And so we found that there was 100 years wages given to the first guy and 40 to the second and 20 to the third. A, a huge inheritance, a huge amount given to them to steward. They were entrusted with and then hand back. So how, how, much, how much is the Holy Spirit worth if we did the math? 10 years labor, 20? I mean, inestimable, right? It's infinity dollars. Is that how much the Holy Spirit is worth? Infinity dollars. You have an undetermined amount of time on earth. You have an undetermined amount of time with the Holy Spirit living in you to live out the purpose that God has put in your life, to carry on the work of Jesus that he has left for you. So the question becomes with your time, what are you doing with it? What does your Tuesday look like? What's your Sunday afternoon scheduled for? What are you doing with the gift of time that God has given you and said, I'm not guaranteeing you tomorrow, but you have today? You have the next minute or the next breath. What are you doing with it? You remember the movie Back to the Future? It's been, um, we're going back a while to get there. I was like, it's a pretty new movie, right? 1985. So, um, but Doc, if you can just see it in your brain, Doc drives up this silver DeLorean, this futuristic, now it doesn't look as futuristic, don't go back and watch it, but this futuristic car. But it isn't just a car, right? It's a time machine. And if you can get the right gigawatts or the, you know, the whatever, you get all the things right and the lightning strikes at the perfect time, a little bit of movie magic, and you have a time machine. And this is the whole conceit of the movie. Pretty flimsy, if you ask me. But it's as if 
Doc Brown drives up to Michael J. Fox's house, whatever his character's name was, and, and, and he says, I have the time machine. And the answer is, can, you, can we put it in the garage, though? I got some things to do. No, no, you don't understand. It's a time machine. It can do, listen, it can take you anywhere you've ever wanted to be. Now, it'll take you there. And you go, yeah, yeah, I know, but I got an exam coming up, and then I got a shift at work, and then I, I, can we just park it? And I know it's super powerful and really cool and all that stuff, but I have other business to attend to. Can we just park the time machine for a while? And over time, the time machine gathers dust, and you and I would not watch that movie because that sounds boring. But also, that's the picture of what's happening is you've been given time, you've been given this incredible resource, spirit-infused life, and for most of us, self-included, throwing no stones, first in line, chief of sinners, for most of us, we don't take the thing out of the garage. We don't even go for a spin around the neighborhood. We park God's gift and we cover it in one of those sheets you put on a really nice car you want to keep perfect and we never drive it. When Jesus is prognosticating and, and giving this foreknowledge to his disciples, like, hey, this is about to happen. You're about to get real excited because I'm about to give you the Spirit. He says what? You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. These, these two concepts are the same thought. They're in the same line. Conceptually, they're married. That, that power and witness are, are like linked together. You don't get one without the other. It's not you'll be my power. You'll, you'll get my power to do whatever you want. And it's not you can be my witness in and of your own strength. It's you will receive power. And because you'll have my power, my power becomes your witness. My power is your inheritance. My inheritance is your witness. We would agree that Orthodox Christian theology says the Holy Spirit does the work of drawing people to God. Okay. So then what we get off sometimes is people go, well, so what, I mean, if the Holy Spirit's just going to do it, then why do I have to do anything? I just sit back and enjoy life and the Holy Spirit does the work. Except that God has chosen you to be the vessel of the Holy Spirit to be in partnership with him in that drawing. And so you have to take the car out of the garage and drive around if anyone's ever going to see it and go, I want to follow that car. It's on us. God has given us this incredible privilege of having access to the Holy Spirit, of having the life infused with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is the gift to us that is his witness in the world. When's the last time you took it out? And then we say, well, what does it actually look like? Like, what, what kind of spirit life does this look like? Paul says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's like, people are asking this question early in the Christian faith, and he goes, I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts. The, the same Spirit distributes them. So there's specific aspects that the Holy Spirit is giving each of us uniquely. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but all of them. And in, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He goes on to name wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretations of tongues, grace and grace and grace overwhelming. Gifts that we inherit with the Spirit. Paul then says to the Romans in, in Romans chapter 12, we have different gifts, he says, different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The message of the New Testament is this. God is giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and with that will come specific, unique manifestations of that Spirit in your life. If you've been given the gift, the message of the New Testament is use it. If you have the gift of serving, serve. Trot that thing out a while. See how it goes. New member at church here is Jason Benscooter. I told you each week I'm going to put someone on, on blast. I think that's what the kids are saying. It's a good thing. Um, Jason Benscooter is a relatively new member here at church. You may not know him. He would be happy with that. And he serves in a thousand ways that you'll never know about. But I see, and I go, oh, he did that? Oh, that got fixed? Oh, this is going up? So one day you'll walk in the gym. I'll out him on a couple, just a couple, and there are a lot more. One day you'll go in the gym, and you'll be like, it sounds nice in here. Where's that crazy echo I'm used to? And you'll go, what are all those sound panels up there on the wall? And you'll think, huh, I wonder who built those and hung those in all their free time. Or, or you'll walk outside after church today, and you'll go, you know, it is sure is nice. Remember when we had all those dandelions? But it's like someone did like a weed treatment over the entirety of our property when no one was looking. Lawn sure is nice. Or at the father-daughter dance in March, you'll come in with a child or you'll get a picture on Facebook. You'll, you'll see that thousand balloons or so at just the right moment created a magical moment for a dad and a daughter. And you go, I wonder who brought the scissor lift and hung all those. I, w- I wonder who spent their Saturday making sure that happened. I have a feeling it's someone who has the gift of service who then uses it to serve. And I make uh, much of Jason because Jason does it so quietly, but he does it so selflessly, and he's not alone. I could look around and I make eye contact with people and like, yeah, I see it everywhere. If you have the gift of serving, serve. He has the gift of service, he owns it, he's received it, and he's using it. If you have the gift of encouragement, teaching, giving, then encourage, teach, give. Lead, lead. Mercy, let's see it displayed. We have an incredible inheritance in the Spirit, so the question is, do we receive it? Do we steward it? Do we deploy it? Or do we bury it? See, too often we talked about this a little last week, but do we live a buried life? Do you live, it's a self-diagnostic moment, I can't tell you. Do you live a buried life? Like, do you ever wonder why your life feels a little bit like a treadmill? Get up, do the same thing, have the same problems. Even when I fix them, they'll come back around, go to bed, do it all again. Life feels like a cul-de-sac of meh, where you go, I don't know, I just, I've been doing this for years. That's what I do. I mean, that's what outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth sounds like. That's what it feels like in the moment. It's a long, slow, but that's what that feels like in the moment. It doesn't feel like, flame licking your heels. It feels like I'm just on this treadmill of life. I guess I'll go another day. Imagine you were given a a lake house, beautiful lake house. Pick your lake. I don't know. Everybody's got a lake they seem to like. You pick your lake. You got your lake in mind? Just take a minute. Get a good lake. Clear water. One of the big great lakes, big waves. You're surfing on your lake. I don't know what you're doing. Got maybe a little beach, nice deck, Perfect sunset or sunrise. It's your fantasy. You can have both, okay? You got both sunset and sunrise on your lake. You've been given a lake house. You inherit this lake house. It's worth 
so much we can't even fathom. So this is the picture of what you've inherited. Now imagine you take this inheritance of this lake house that you love so much that you can't wait to use. I'm so excited. Did you want jet skis? They're with it. They're, they're all there. It's good. You got those. And so the first thing you're going to want to do with this lake house when you inherit it is you're going to want to get the biggest, thickest chain you can find and just chain those doors real shut, just nice. And then if you get plywood and you just put them over all the windows, that'll keep them real safe right there, never get broken, never get smudged, don't have to clean them. And you can plywood all the windows, you can chain the door shut, and that's what you can do with that lake house you just inherited. That's the weeping and gnashing of teeth life. That's the treadmill life. That's the buried talent life. The buried talent life looks like you've inherited the greatest thing you could ever imagine, and what you decided to do with it is chain it up, board it up, and forget about it for a while because I got to get on with the rest of my days. And this is the picture of the, the poor steward. This is the picture of the one with one talent. Is he saying, you've been given this incredible gift. What'd you do with it? He said, well, I had a lot of other things happen in that week. I had a lot else to do. That sounds like death to me. That sounds like a lifeless sort of existence. It sounds like a fruitless sort of existence. And what we know is life, according to the New Testament, produces fruit. Galatians 5. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5 in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. What is, what is the point? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is active and alive in your life, when you are driving the Holy Spirit around the block, when you are using the inheritance of the Holy Spirit for the sunsets and the sunrises, pick whatever metaphor we're going with. When you are active in your life, in the Spirit of God that lives within you, your life will resemble and produce these things. And so when we sit here, we go, I just wish I had more patience. I'm going to read a book on developing patience. I wish I had more love or joy in my life. I'm going to go find a self-help book or I'm going to find a podcast or I'm going to watch this Netflix thing that's apparently sort of about love. It's kind of like a, an allegory for love and maybe it'll inspire my heart. And you're like, that's cool. You should do that. Except none of that works. If you want more kindness, if you want more self-control, you got a habit you'd like to kick. And before you look down in shame, you're like, oh, I do have that habit. No, 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 no. If you have a habit you want to get rid of and you want to have more discipline and self-control, the way to... The way to find self-control is not to go read a book about self-control. The way to find self-control is to lean into the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you. And that sounds easy and churchy. I don't mean it like that. I mean, that's an every morning, like, assault of prayer where you say, Lord, I need your Spirit fully expressed in my days because I'm sick and tired of living the treadmill life. I'm sick and tired of living the cul-de-sac life, living the buried life. I'm sick and tired of it. And I need joy, and I know joy isn't out there. Joy is a byproduct of the Spirit in here. Because we all know somebody who's gotten the lake house and then actually used the lake house, and somehow that lake house didn't make them happy. We all know somebody who got the DeLorean or whatever the modern equivalent is, and you know what? By a year or two, that didn't make them happy. We all know people who have inherited great things or great status or great spouses or great whatever, and those things eventually eh, didn't work. Because... That's not where love, joy, peace, patience, that's not where it comes from. It doesn't come from externalities. It comes from the Holy Spirit of God who lives and works within you. 
The path to these things in your life is pursuing the Spirit. And when your life is spent cultivating and sharing the inheritance that God has put within you and entrusted you with, then you begin to find joy. The world says you lack money or love or status or whatever, and that's the cause of your emptiness. The world is constantly trying to convince you that the reason you feel unsatisfied or empty is because you lack one of these things out there. God's word says you lack nothing. No matter what's in your bank account, no matter what's on your calendar, no matter what kind of love interest you have at the moment, God says you lack nothing. In fact, you have everything. That through the Holy Spirit of God, you have everything available to you now. This is not a promise for a future. If I just wait for the sweet by and by, then I'll, I'll meet the Lord and I'll get to know his presence. He says, I've left you my presence today, now, but you got to use it. Because in the story, there are two that use it. And what happens in their life? An abundant life springs forth, doubling of the wealth they were given. And in the one who decided to bury it, nothing. Lifelessness. And so you and I have this opportunity, having been given the gift of time infused by the Holy Spirit, and what are we going to do with it? And what will be the fruit of our days? So maybe you need to invite the Spirit in fresh now. Maybe you said, I've never actually lived that. I tried to live the, the Jesus life by behavior. Or I tried to live a Jesus life by ritual. Or I tried to just, I don't even know what the Jesus life is. Great, we're here for you. We can walk through that with you. You can fill out this card and you can check one of the boxes that applies to you, or you can just write at the bottom, I need to get started on this somehow, because I don't know. We're good with that. You don't have to know today. You don't have to be an expert at this today. But the, the thing that we're learning from the truth of God's word is that if we want the life of love and joy, it comes from the Spirit, and the Spirit is an inheritance given to all those who believe. So if today is your day to receive the inheritance, we can get started and you say, some of you will say, I can't feel it. I know you talk about the Holy Spirit. Some people seem to really feel it. Others of us, maybe a little more analytical. Maybe, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm a thinker, not a feeler. So I, I know I have the Holy Spirit, but I don't feel it. If I gave you a million dollars today, I put it in your bank account, digital wire transaction. Can't feel it, but you'd know how to use it, wouldn't you? You can't feel a million dollars, but you know the difference when you have it and when you don't. And then you begin to deploy it in new ways. You begin to invest it in new ways. You begin to bless in new ways because you have access to something, even if you can't feel it. And so if you are one of those that I fall in this camp a lot, I don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as often as I'd like to. But I know it's there. And it's different to rely on something even if you can't feel it. Think of a circus and a safety net. You don't have to feel the safety net to know it's there. You don't have to... To, to feel the safety net, to know that you'd use it if you needed it, to, to do what God has called you to do, and then you can risk it. So what we saw last week, the one who was given more, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase says, give more to the one who risked it and take it away from the play it safe. That you and I have the ultimate, perfect, beautiful safety net available to us at all times. We cannot actually lose in this game. But we do have to play. We do have to walk the tightrope. We do have to risk it. We do have to use it, even if you can't feel it. Deploy the gifts entrusted to you. Your time on this earth with a spirit pulsing in you is not guaranteed. But watch 
as the life you long for, the thing that's built into you that you want more than anything, the hope that you want, the joy that you want, watch as you live in the Spirit as that abundance begins to bubble up and the fruit of that begins to show. And if the parable is any guide, watch as the life that you long for, the abundance that you have doubles. I'm not saying your bank account doubles. I'm not saying that's not what the parable is not about your bank account. It's about what God is doing in and through you and the abundance and the overflow of the grace and mercy and love in your life will begin to grow in ways you cannot imagine. So do you want more joy and love? Do you want purpose and fulfillment? What does the scripture say? To one faithful with little, much will be given. You gotta just get started. Faithful with little, much will be given. If you've been burying your inheritance, Today can be your day to see it all change. If you've been burying your inheritance, if you've been living the treadmill life, if you've been living the meh, boarded up, chained up, leave it in the garage sort of life, today you can take that back out. You can dig up that talent and you can begin to use it in a way that the God of the universe has given it to you to use. Your life can, instead of being a buried life, can be a life bursting with something greater, with joy. It's just about what you do with the inheritance that's been given to you. It's about what you do with the inheritance that's been given to you. And if we know what that inheritance is, then we can boil it all down to say, this whole thing, this whole life, is just about time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us time. Lord, it is time that uh, we get to use to make much of you to worship you, to learn about you. Father, to, to find glory in your days, in your salvation story for us. But God, you have given us bodies and hands. Father, you've given us relationships and purpose. Lord, our prayer is that you would, uh, you would wake us up, that you would supercharge us in the days to come. You would find us uh, inspired and motivated not to simply make it through another week, but to leverage that week and use that week to use the day and the hour and the minute, the time, Lord, that we might make much of you, that we, through living out of your Holy Spirit power, that we would burst forth with the fruit of your Spirit. Father, we're grateful for your presence in this place. We're grateful for your presence in our lives. Lord, even when we cannot feel it, we believe that you are here and you are working in us and through us. And so, Lord, we ask you to see our days multiplied in ways that bless your name, that lift you high, that glorify you and you alone. God, thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.